horses running around the Kairos anymore. But that's been a football club here since 1864. Trying to do the town a city proud. Laying under the massive floodlights of the racecourse ground. So, just me and you tonight, Alex. Richie is in. Where did he say he was going? Um, somewhere tropical. Dominican Republic. Was it Dominican Republic? It was. And yeah. It's a good, a good time to be in the Dominican. Um, <laughs> after all the weather we had today. And I can tell you, he has been on the sangrias because I've asked him for his score predictions for the next two games, and he's definitely been on sangrias. He's gone for seven nil, has he? I'll save him. I'll save him for after. But then yeah. one of them's a corker. One of them is. He said we're on a run now. I was like, okay, oh, <laughs> it's that he's good. For nine nil against Maidenhead, hasn't he? <laughs> it was that good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, just a quick rundown of what I think we'll uh, of what we'll cover today. So we'll go over a bit of door a bit of dorking because obviously I went to that one, and we'll have some. We've got some player ratings which I haven't shared with you unusually because i normally do don't i but i'll uh, i'll dig them up in a minute um we've got a little listeners q a sort of section which we sort of threw together last minute today and that got a few, couple of interesting questions on it so i'm looking right. forward to that yeah look forward to them looking forward to that a uh, bit of a news roundup because obviously there's a bit going on in and around our club and some of the other clubs that I think is worth just spreading, just worth having a word or two, or even though we don't necessarily know all the detail, etc. So we'll do that. Uh, and then we'll go into previews for, well, we'll, go, we'll have two games probably before we uh, talk again next week. Um, so we'll do some score predictions and we'll, we'll try and predict the team for Saturday. Not sure if we can go too much further than than Saturday for predicting teams. Not sure it'll change too much anyway, to be honest. Um, it, off you know given historical so um how does that sound you're the boss I'm not, I'm not the boss okay so dorking what a what a lovely trip that was um uh, I, I guess little 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 note to, to shout out obviously to the to the opposition chairman for sticking a bit of money behind the bar didn't have to do that that was quite a nice little touch he'll get it back because rob and ryan both said they'll uh They'll make sure the favour is returned. So that was just a, just a nice little touch. And obviously it was it was a good day for us because we went, did a professional job and then took the points home. And I don't think we had any injuries. Um, so, you know, that was, a, that was a really nice day. You missed out is all I can say. Yeah, I was gutted I couldn't go because I always look forward to going to the, the new grounds when teams come up or teams come <laughs> down. And... Judging by the reaction on Twitter, Dawkins seems like a nice little club. Good day out. Obviously, the owner's gesture was outstanding. I don't think I've seen that done before by any owner, um, certainly in the last few seasons. Sounds like the fans were very hospitable as well. A decent atmosphere. Obviously, a good performance, winning five near the way from home. Um, Obviously, we take that. And like you say, no injuries as well. So... I wasn't there, but it sounds like the perfect away day, apart from your mishap with the uh, with the sock. I'm glad you brought it up because that was that I was, I was about to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the devastation. So uh, the setup for Dorkin, in case you kind of can't sort of get it from the, the sort of pictures and what have you. Um, and if you haven't been watching the documentary, I don't know if you've been watching the bunch of amateurs documentary um, that uh, takes place around Dorkin. Um, if you've ever been to the, a club round us, like it's the sort of size of Kevin Druid's TNS Airbus. It's that type of stadium, but it's a bit more like, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever been to TNS Alex um, towards Oswestry. No, not yeah, on my uh, list yeah. of locations I wish to visit, really. So, yeah, we're Welsh Prem champions normally, aren't they? Um, but it's very similar in the fact that it's got like a soft play and a cafe attached to the clubhouse um, on the outside to sort of supplement the football club. And um, so, yeah, we, we the bus got us there nice and early. So I thought, oh, we'll go and have a cup of tea rather than piling into the ground. So uh, then I decided I needed the toilet and the devastation of once you've done the deed in the toilet and you look at that blue roll holder and realize it's empty. It's like, Oh no, what am I going to do now? <laughs> but fortunately a wise man taught me a trick and that's why I never wear expensive socks because <laughs> one's got to go and one had to go on Saturday. So was it the right one or the left one? Out of it, was, it was me right one. Yeah. I don't know whether oh. that says anything about a person or not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I sacrificed the sock, and uh, we all it, the golden rule: always check before. Yeah, that's what my other half says. She said, yeah. "Well, I always wipe the seat before I sit down." So he, you'd know then. I was like, "Oh, I, I just needed the toilet. What was I meant to do?" Like, it's desperate because <laughs> uh, you can't you can't really have a sit down number two on those Pat's coaches. It's uh, it's not a pleasant experience. No, I think you sacrifice comfortable toilet experiences when you go to these National League away grounds, especially on the bus. But I'm sure everyone who's listening has been there. Uh, how many socks have you lost, Alex? We apologize. <laughs> Come on, how many socks have you lost? Oh, He's never I lost one, has he? Festival, I may have lost oh, a okay. sock. Yeah. I think... Um, at uni one time when he can't find the toilet and the sock comes off. Um but I I wear ankle socks, so it's harder with ankle socks because you don't get as much of a decent size to um do the business with. So maybe I need to start wearing some big long fluffy ones, especially with winter coming up. I'll get you Might some be- I'll get you some nice fluffy ones from the club shop. Oh don't don't spend that, don't spend the tenner on them. <laughs> Go to Primark. <laughs> Have we haven't got any stock in the club shop. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, that is another problem. Yes, that is another problem. So, um, oh well, what do you? So, what else do? You, what, what do you want to know about our trip to Dorking? Go on, I'll play the the part of host then, if you like. Please do. Um, Quizmaster, an honor, an honor to be host, a host on the podcast, like on Green, even if it's for five minutes or so. So. <laughs> Let's start with, I know you mentioned it already, but what were the facilities like at Dorking? Obviously, they're a club who climbed through the leagues quite rapidly. So, I mean, you have to bear that in mind, don't you? Because, you know, you get they get promoted. The rules and regulations basically give them sort of minimum standards that they have to meet to be in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, they obviously meet them. 
but there was a couple of things that people were around me were moaning about. The first thing was the the fact that like the away end, you were just stood around the pitch basically, around the you know the, there was a metal barrier all around the pitch, and you were just sort of stood. Um, there was one stand to the side which had a little bit of a about three or four levels on it, only small ones, but the majority of it you didn't. So a lot of people were complaining that they couldn't see what was going on a lot of the time because there were so many Wrexham fans there as well. So, you know. You, it, for them to go up a division, they would probably have to do some some work. I don't know the exact sort of uh, regulations, but it does feel like they'd have to spend a bit of money, um, especially yeah. for away fans, because the home fans have got a little sort of uh, nice seated stand um, up the up the far end. Um, but you know, they had a they had a bar going, and uh, my other half had a burger, which, which she said was okay. So you know, from that point of view, that was really good. Um, you know, from a visiting fan, they were all really nice. We got searched when we got into the stadium and the fellas were laughing and joking. And, you know, so it, it was a, they were really welcoming uh, and the facilities were good for them to go up. I think they'll have to spend some money, but it might not be an issue for them anyway. I hope not, because obviously that means we've probably messed up if they're going up. <laughs> Very true. All right, then let's talk about the actual performance. What was your pick of the goals out of the five? Um, so I liked Elliot Lees. Have you seen the highlights, by the way? Have you watched yeah, them? Yeah, seen them. Um, I liked Elliot Lees because the ball, I don't know if you <clears throat> can really appreciate it. It was right in front of us, obviously. The ball from Davis with the outside of his foot across the box was delicious. It was really good. The he, outside he, of the foot one. He is. He, uh, yeah, I noticed watching back some other highlights um, that he'd done it again, but as a pass the other day. Last season, he scored, I think he scored a hat-trick in a cup game, and he scored with the outside of his foot. I can't remember. It was in, was it early rounds of the trophy? It was yeah, just after he'd lost a... It was just, like yeah, it was just after, there was sort of, it was, it was right after um, the unfortunate loss that, that, that they had as a family, and he scored a hat-trick, and I think one of them was outside of his foot, so he does like that. So yeah, that was the um, left hand side of the box towards the cop. That's it. Corner, wasn't it? Yeah. So I think that that and the fact that Elliot Lee gave me a sweaty high five was, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> we washed your hand yet? I, I I've washed mine, but my my other half is won't. She won't. She gets in the shower. Her hands sticking out. It looks weird. <laughs> she she won't wash. So um, and you know, so yeah, so yeah, that that I think I think that was the pick of the goals. It was a nice move, a great ball. Um, and that was the difference, really, the difference in 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 the teams, because their movement off the ball is exceptional, right? When you watch them, when if when they come to the race course, they are really good at moving, and they play lovely. They do try and play from front to back, very you know, lovely football, but they lacked quality in both boxes. So we were, you know, we didn't pay, play fantastic, but we were just ruthless. You know, our quality. When we got an earlyish goal, which always helps, then doesn't it? it settles everyone down. Um, a lot of people moaning about the pitch. It's one of these artificial 4G pitches. And for me, it's, you know, I think as, if, as a footballer, you just get on with it. You just, you know, you go. That, that, that pitch gave it even bounce. It was a bit sticky. So in an ideal world, we'd have watered it, I think. Um, you know, if we could have made it a bit slicker, it might have suited us a bit more. Um, but it was just, it's just typical 4G pitch. It was no different to any of the others, but the bounce was good. So I don't think many of the players would have moaned too much about it. 
Um, and you yeah. just have to you have to get on with it, don't you? That yeah. is what you. One of the things that I heard on Twitter or saw in an interview was, I think that pitch has caused a few injuries for the Dorking player. I know Alfie Riverford, their player, had to come off on Saturday, and apparently that's not the first time it's happened. Yeah, so I saw that. They, they, there was an interview after the game, if you haven't seen it, with Mark White, um, <laughs> where um, he has some choice language. It was a brilliant interview. He calls out a lot of players by name. Uh, have you seen it, by the way? I've seen all 15 minutes of it. Well yeah. he calls he calls out people by name and he, do, he goes to town on them. Um, but it was him who said that, that obviously we don't know the extent of that injury to to Alfie yet. But it was he, he was saying it looks a bad one. So it feels like it's going to be a bad one. And I think he says that's their fourth long term injury off the pitch, um, and that is the downside to artificial pitches is that obviously they do you know it's not a coincidence. Um, I watch a lot of NFL and they they you know they ruin knees on those NFL artificial pitches. So, yeah. um, you know, but for, you see, from Dawkins' point of view, the reason a lot of people have them um, is that obviously you can use the pitch, to, you can hire the pitch out to supplement your income um, yeah. without detriment to your playing surface. So, you know, when you're a club of that sort of size coming up, I guess, you know, that is, you know, that's a needs must. And if you remember a few years ago, do you remember when we had that terrible rain and we didn't play football for about six weeks or it's eight weeks or something oh, i think it was 2010 dean saunders era wasn't it i can't you know we, we had just had terrible rain and teams couldn't play football and um you know there were, those teams could because it was easier for them to get off water off the pitch um than it was for us when the, the ground is just you know sodden so so you know that they're, they're allowed them up until our league i think when you go up you have to get rid of it i think you have to have grass from efl um so, uh, you know, that's why we don't see him in the AFL. But, you know, it was, I, I just thought I'd quite like playing on that. The bounce is even, 4G grass is quite lush. The only thing was it was a, just a bit dry and sticky. Um, and, it, you know, they would be used to that, whereas we wouldn't. I've seen from personal experience, if you fall over on a 4G pitch, he's burns. Open burns. Well, that's he what goes... about, that is what. Um, a lot of people were going, what's that black stuff? Because there's little black pellets in the, uh, that they put on the grass. And one of the, one of the, the, the it, that's meant to keep the grass upright, I believe. But one yeah. of the other things is it, it is meant to sort of help with the, with the burns. But obviously you, you would still just, you know, you would still be in agony after a knee slide. And you're there, you'll come home and you'll have about 200 of them in your boots and they get everywhere to get the vacuum out. Yeah, it's another con from the four G services. <laughs> so what else? Oh, what else yeah, do we want to know? I'm talking. Rate the performance on a scale of one to ten before we move on. Um, so our performance, we didn't have to work very hard in the end. Although we did work hard, but we didn't have to really get out of. I would say third, third gear. I think we were in. Um, so it, it was a good seven or eight out of ten, but there's more to come from us. We were definitely not flying, you know. We didn't, as I said, we you, you, the score kind of tells you that we didn't have to work very hard. Um, we, you know, uh, compared to how we had to, you know, against the Chesterfield or somebody. Um, yeah. So we were lucky. They've, I, th I believe, they've got a few injuries that to key players, which obviously benefited us. Um, but you've still got to turn up and do. Uh, it was a proper professional job. You turned up. You know, we got some goals amongst the team. We don't know that 
but as far as we know, we haven't heard that there's any injuries, uh, and we come home and we're rested ahead of the next game. So, yeah, good, good seven, a good, good seven out of ten for me. And um, Mark Howard looked comfortable again. Yeah, wasn't really tested until second half, I think it was. Um, as I say, that a lot of their moves broke down around our box. Um, you know, so they, they 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 played lovely, pretty football to get into our final third, and then our defence stroked their attack. Just you know, they neutralised each other um, with you know again. Uh, well, we'll go on to the ratings in a minute, but you know, for me, Clareworth again had a good game. You know, just it, it was just it was relatively simple in the end for the for what you know. You look at our squad compared to where they're coming from. You know, they should be leagues apart, shouldn't they? Yeah, that's true. That is true. And I think their manager said the difference was the quality in the two boxes. And you'd probably find that when we play most of the weaker sides. Yeah, you would hope so. They should only be in the game if we don't turn up. If we turn up and play to our potential, in theory, we should come away with a win of some description. Not necessarily easy. You wouldn't necessarily blow somebody away. That doesn't work. That doesn't happen in my experience too often. Um, But more often than not, you know, if we turn up, we'll win the games. Yeah, if every player in that team has a six or seven out of ten, we win comfortably. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Um, go on then. Let's player, hear these ratings. Player ratings then. So as usual, these are obviously I I put my ratings in, but these are the averaged out of the uh, the people who voted. So okay. I will do them in groups again as we do, just to try and speed it up. So here we go. Mark Howard, seven point four. It's highest of this morning. Oh, yeah. He got higher against Gateshead. No, I don't think he did. I think that was. The, I think pretty sure that was his highest. Okay. Uh, fullbacks: uh, Anthony Ford, seven point one. Jacob Mendy, eight point four. His goal was a peach. It was a peach. That goal of his. That's was... what we signed him for. Those left-footed pingers from the edge of the box. Yeah, and I, I, when he hit it, I just remember thinking McFadden would have hit that. He just wouldn't have done it. You can, you know, he he doesn't take a lot of pot shots, McFadden. So, um, so yeah, it was it was a lovely strike. Uh, I just wish he'd wear some bigger socks and safer shin pads, old Jacob, because <laughs> those shins look like they could be, you know, uh, vulnerable. Uh, right, centre halves. There we go. This is where we start talking. So, Max Clareworth, seven point six. Aaron Hayden, seven point four. Yeah. Ben Tozer, seven point nine. Did that reflect what you saw? Toza pick of the centre backs. I don't think, I don't think I'd have said that he was better than any than than any of the others, particularly. Um, and they're only little point differences, aren't they? Um, yeah. So no, you know, I think if I'd have had to pick one, I'd have possibly gone. I think Max was probably, you know, because again he does his defensive bit and then he sets off and does his overlapping bit down the wing, doesn't he? So uh, and he was at that I mean, again. His season average from these ratings must be the really least high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Be, you know, he's the outstanding defender for me so far. So, um, <clears throat> so right, let's move on now to the uh, midfielders. So James Jones six point eight, another quietish game. Uh, yeah. Luke Young seven point three, and Jordan Davis seven point oh. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know what else to say than that. Really, they, they were just they ticked over. But I, you know, that pass from Jordan. Jordan missed a sitter of a header from about six yards out. 
which he hoped he would have scored. Um, but that pass to Elliot Lee, honestly, it's delicious. It is delicious. It was a thing of beauty. He literally put it on a plate. That's he the did, same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was right in front of us, so we could see it a little bit better than the TV because um, of the perspective. But yeah, no, it was a great pass. And that's, you know, nice for him to get some assists. I think he, he's a bit like Palmer. He just needs a goal now, Davis, to uh, set him off again. Yeah. Um, then we'll go up front then. So Paul Mullin was a 6.7. Uh, Ollie, Ollie Palmer was an 8.6. So I don't Paul... know if you had a good view of this, but a lot of people were saying it was an Ollie Palmer hat-trick. I think the second one was the, the dodgy one, whether it was an own goal or a, a Palmer goal. I, I presume it was the other end of the ground. It, it, it was the other end of the ground. It was only on the highlights after watching it carefully. You can see it's a double deflect. I think it's their defender, then it's another defender and then goes in. So, yeah, I, I, there's no way the dubious goals panel would give it to him if they reviewed it. Uh, didn't Tozer get his one against Gateshead credited to him? Oh, I, don't, I haven't. I, I mean, I haven't heard that he hasn't, so I've assumed that he has, uh, but I'm willing to be wrong if, uh, if, uh, if that has been changed. But, uh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, Mullin, you know, he put a shift in, he did some running, just nothing was created for him, you know. Uh, he didn't get, I don't think, I don't remember him racing through one-on-one or anything like that. We just, we didn't give him any service. But he still puts his shift in, he goes, he goes home, he's still, he's, he's fit and healthy and he goes on to the next one, doesn't he? I mean, if he's going to fire a blank in a game, <laughs> let it be a 5 nil away win. That's yeah, fine. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, right, so... Here we go. Uh, McFadden to McFadden came on. Yeah. Cent- central midfield. <laughs> okay. Who did he come on for? Did he come on for Jordan Davis in the end? I can't remember. It escapes me. I'd have to check. But he got a six point one. But he came on in central midfield because um, I thought, well, he's going to take Mendy off because he had that bit of cramp. Uh, previously, yeah. if you remember, at the end of a game, so I thought he's obviously just going to give him a, give him an hour, seventy minutes, and then rest him, and he didn't. He came on in central. He came on in central midfield. I can't, as I say, I can't remember who went off, um, <laughs> and he just sat in central midfield and just tidied up. That, you know, I don't think I don't get the impression that this was some tactical master plan, and we've been saving McFadden for being <laughs> whatever we were four 0 up against Dorkin to come in and sit in front of the back four. I think it was just a case of well, who do we need to rest? You know, uh, and then it was a bit like Callum. Do you think you can just go and sit in midfield? So, so he did obligingly, and yeah, you know, didn't do didn't have to do anything. So Elliot Lee got a seven point nine. Um, which again, he comes on and he changes games. He's just, you know, he is all the time. It's just the, the dynamic and the momentum uh, uh, changes. And it, it's a bit like fans get, I mean, fans get excited and start singing for him to come on, don't they? You know, he's that type of player, the old fashioned, he gets them, he gets them off their seat uh, type of player. And Here's he couldn't... a question for you, maybe oh, for after the ratings. Is yeah. he too good to be coming off the bench in the National League week in, week out? I would say yes, off what we've seen so far. I mean, I tweeted after the team news came out saying, like, what's what's uh, what's he got to do to start? Because <laughs> I, I thought there's no, I thought he's definitely start, because, again, he was good in the last game. Um, and I just thought he would definitely start, um, and he didn't. 
Uh, and as usual, you get that I got pelters for the uh, you know, people sort of misrepresenting what I was saying when we were three 0 up at half time, saying, "Well, look, you don't know what you're talking about. We didn't need him." Yada yada yada. That wasn't the point. The point was, you know, this guy comes on constantly, does brilliantly, assists, scores. At some point, he's got to start, hasn't he? So yeah, I think he's too good to be coming off the bench. I think I think you know, and he's showing it. But the nature of the system Parky plays, there's only one player he can replace, and that's Davis. And it's a big call to, well, to drop Davis as well. So this was the this was the caveat to that. Obviously, is that Elliot Lee replaced Mullin. Oh, okay. So you know, we we debated whether it uh, on the last podcast we debated obviously when Dior Angus went. Uh, Whilst we were live, he went, he went, didn't he? He disappeared. <laughs> he left us. Um, we were debating, you know, I did speculate. I just wonder whether we might not replace him and we might play a, a Lee because he'll be, you know, knocking on Parky's door going, I need some game time, boss. Come on, what more can I do? Um, and so that was the move. The move was Mullin for Elliot Lee. Um, and although he couldn't miss the goal, to be fair, you know, it was put on a plate for him. Um, yeah. Although I have seen Wrexham strikers who could miss from a yard out, so I wouldn't say that necessarily. Um, not mentioning any names, of course. Um, uh, some of those warm-ups they used to do towards the cop, it was embarrassing. Make <laughs> the shooting practice before you'd be ducking in the top, you'd be in the top tee, you'd be ducking. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> so, um, I yeah, I I I don't think we're we're not going to be getting another striker. I don't think. I think he's going to go with Lee. That was my gut feeling last week, and it is. I I still think it is this week, and um, I think he's too good to be sitting on the bench. He is going to displace somebody, whoever that is, whether Parky does adjust the formation or what. I think he'll displace somebody. That was a long-winded answer. Sorry. Um, I can't remember what the answer was. Yeah, he is too good. <laughs> he's too good. Okay. Yeah, he's definitely okay. too good. Um, uh, Dolby came on, eventually for Palmer. Um. So Ollie got a nice walk around the uh, the away fans and got lots of high fives and cheering, which was good for him. Because he's got another yeah. two goals, uh, and Dolby got a six point two. Again, we, you know, we, 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 he's he's not being given the opportunity really, in my opinion, to show off too much, is he? To show what he's got, you know, he's getting five minutes here, ten minutes there. You know, the lad needs a start. You know, I wonder if he'll start. There's a reserve game. I think it's next week. Um, it's the first reserve game. I'm assuming he'll start in that. Um, yeah, so it suits his game to be starting matches. I don't think he's the kind of player who can come off the bench and be an impact sub and test the defenders with pace and yeah, um, and cause them any problems. He, yeah, I think he needs to start a game, but obviously you're not going to drop Palmer in the league if if he's anywhere near it at least. So, like you say. Whether we start in the trophy games, which are coming up um, in a couple of months, I believe. Whether we get to run of starts in the reserve league as well. I hope he does because there's a player in there somewhere. I know we've not really seen it. Um, it has looked a bit weak, I have to say. I know he's not a target man uh, out and out, but he's been thrown on in some matches to hold the ball up, keep the ball in the opposition half. And I think it was against Woking on the television. He, Gave the ball away a little bit too cheaply at times. Um, 
But again, that might be confidence coming off the bench. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I, so I, I totally agree with you. Do you remember a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Mark Howard and we were saying he just needs to have a clean game where he catches everything, all his kicks are good, um, he doesn't concede anything soft. You know, if somebody puts a worldy past you, you can't do anything about that. But you just do your bit right and then you, you, that'll give you a bit of confidence. I think that's what he needs. He just needs a 10, 15 minute cameo where all his passes find find you know find one of our players. He does hold the ball up a bit. He does use his strength a bit. He might get a shot off. He might get a header off. But he just needs to have a clean game. Um, and that'll probably settle him down a bit then. Yeah, and you would think with the games coming up, especially against Maidenhead, again, touch wood, we're in a position where we're two or three goals to the goods. Again, I'll touch wood <laughs> for double measure. You would think then a Jordan Davis later in the game will put someone on a plate for him or Elliot Lee will whip a ball in right onto his head in the penalty area. And like you say, in addition to doing the basics well, if he can score a goal, especially at home, that's going to do him the world of good as well. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, last things uh, of the Mr. Parkinson. So, Phil Parkinson got an 8.4 this week. I think that's his highest rated. Um, so, fans yeah. were happy with that. Um, and the overall team performance was an 8.6. So... Highest of the season, probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. But remember, I've only done that twice now. I think the team won, so oh, to be right, fair. Okay. But um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's not much to grumble about, really, is it? Yeah, and I guess this probably goes hand in hand with the results. But it seems like the Parky out or the people who are frustrated by Parky brigade on Twitter that's died down a little bit as well. So everything looks pretty, uh, pretty rosy at the moment in terms of. Rexton. Did you uh did you see the documentary? Latest three and four? Yeah, I've seen three and four last week. So there's a question in the in the QA later about one of the episodes coming in the future, which I'm not sure if you're aware of. So we'll go on to that then. But obviously in this week's I can't remember which one it was, was it episode three? We see Rob McElhenney obviously um, you know, with a hard a hard sell of the club and the how serious I guess they were to Phil Parkinson. Now, obviously, we're not we we don't hear that, do we? We're going off what they say, but you know, I think they clearly he wouldn't have done if if he wasn't their man. If they weren't convinced this guy is the one we should absolutely chase, you don't bother making the phone call, do you? You go right, who's next? Who's next on our list? Who do we think? But they didn't, and he went after him, and you know. That gives me the impression that I think it will take some shifting. I think they would have to be really convinced to shift him out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think Rob was on the phone to him for what, an hour and a half um, in episode three or four, like you say. Um, from the snippets I've seen in the documentary on social media, they always seem to embrace Parky when they see him, lots of hugs. They've obviously got a good relationship with him. Um, and obviously they were drawn in by his promotions he's achieved previously at Bolton, Colchester, uh, I think Sunderland as well. I don't know about Sunderland actually. Was but it these... Bradford? Was it Bradford? That's the else? one. In addition to the um, the League Cup final and knocking Chelsea out the FA Cup as well. So yeah, I agree with you. It would take a really really bad set of results. Um, and sort of fan frustrations for them to to take an action on Parky. Um, 
the only thing I can see is if it becomes mathematically impossible by February, March time, then we're not going to win the league. And fair enough, you've got every right to, to show him the door. But if, as long as we're in the mix um, after Christmas, there's no way Parky's going to be relieved of his duties, let's say. You know, I agree, especially after the, our run really started in January, didn't it? Once back, once uh, we got Ollie Palmer. Um, yeah. I can't even remember what part of January that was now. It's, uh, it seems, feels like so long ago. Um, so, and as, as I always say, this is a league that very few teams just lead it from start to finish. Um, yeah. You normally have three or four teams over the course of the season, and you just want to be the people at the end. You don't want to be, it doesn't matter about the beginning, does it? Be the team that is at the top on the last day of the season. Exactly. And I hope, and of course we're going to lose at some point, that when we do lose a game or when we perhaps go two or three games without winning, maybe a couple of draws and a loss, that fans don't lose their head too much because it's a long season and we are going to lose games from now until April or until May. It's inevitable. Um, I think I saw an interview of Ollie Palmer after the Gateshead game. It said the crowd negativity sometimes can affect the players. So... If we are losing matches, if we are behind in matches, I just hope our fans, um, but we're all human, of course, and I'm not saying you can't get frustrated and you can't, you know, get upset at a loss. We all do, but I just hope that both on social media and on and at the grounds as well, that we um, try and keep a level head when things aren't going our way. I think, you know, you've uh, to be, I've been that frustrated fan. Um, and I think the thing is, is, uh, that that reaction we had at Dagenham last year on the last day, uh, not sure if you were there or not, you know, the, the fans' reaction was amazingly positive. Um, so I think the thing is, is don't, don't let it rub off on the team. So, you know, bite your tongue in the stadium, just, you know, give them as much support as you can. Um, and then, you know, don't go home and slag people off on social media. You know, talk to your mates, you know, uh, put questions into us. You know, the players won't be listening to us. No disrespect to you, Alex. They're not listening to me. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, <laughs> Phil Parkinson definitely won't know who we are. So, you know, you, you vent in the right places, you know, and in the right manner. But when you're in a stadium or you're around a player, then, you know, you, that's where you've got to be respectful and just be supportive, isn't it? We are supporters, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. And like I say, everyone is human and we're going to get frustrated this season. But there's ways and means of venting your frustration, like you say. And I'm sure the race course ramble is always open to people who want to share their thoughts in a safe place. It's a safe space, this. Yeah. All right. So what we'll do now, we'll have our little break. And we'll when we come back, we'll do our new section of listeners Q&A. Are you excited? I'm nervous and excited. <laughs> you should be. All right. Okay, so new section. Exciting this, isn't it? Yeah. I've dreamt up this. I had this idea I dreamt up. I didn't steal it from anybody else at all. So, <laughs> so uh, I put a little uh, a little Google Forms link out on Facebook and on Twitter, actually, for people just to give us any any thoughts, feelings, ask questions, whatever they wanted to do um, about anything. You know, I didn't restrict it. And I think we've got some crackers here. So are you ready? Are you game for this? Yeah. 
Go on, give them to me. That was a deep intake of breath. So, <laughs> uh, so question number one from Andy Jasper. Uh, and I think this is a really good one. So if Lennon gets fit and is back to his best, should he replace Max Cleworth? You can start. Oh, good question. Very good question. Um, I'm going to say no, he doesn't. I think Max has done more than enough to, to keep his spot in the team this season and on the back of his performances last season where he was a big part of our excellent run from, um, from February onwards. And although, to be fair, when I saw Lennon at the start of last season before he got injured, he was uh, he was quality um, in both boxes. He scored a peach of a goal against Torquay, I think, when Ryan and... Ryan and Rob for their first game. Volley but on it. Yeah, it was a volley, I think. Half volley from a throw in or a corner. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he looked solid, but I just don't think Parky is going to go to Max Clayworth and say, um, Lennon, he's back from fitness, uh, back from injury now after six months out, he's taking your place. I just can't see it. I can't see it. Um, maybe in FA Trophy games, you'll probably play in some reserve games as well to get his fitness up, but. Unless Max's form starts to dip, which I, I don't think it will, or obviously he gets injured, then perhaps that's a route for Lennon to get back into the team. But if Max keeps playing how he does um, week in, week out, then the answer's no for me. So, are you ready for this? Are you going to disagree with me? No, I'm not. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to agree, but this is what I will say. I am a massive fan of Harry Lennon. Not not a fan of his injury record. I think ability-wise, he's the best defender we've got at the club. Ability-wise, yeah. Um, but I agree with you. He's, he's I, he, I, he, they definitely won't rush him back anyway because of his injury record. He would only be playing little bits of football here and there. I believe next week he probably returns to full fitness, I think, is what they were saying. Um, so he's, you know, he's going to be challenging and playing in his reserve games or cup games, whatever, whatever we've got coming up. But um, I don't think, and I think at the start of the season, I thought Lennon or Tunnicliffe would play instead of Max Cleworth. But I don't think Parkinson could do that because of fitness issues to both of them at the start of the season. So, you know, so he started with Cleworth and Cleworth's uh, growth is just astronomical isn't it so he's just carried yeah. on from where he left off last season and he will have a game like a you know where he doesn't win a couple of headers and perhaps our position score that's just the nature of the beast but the reality is he's probably been our best player so far i oh, yeah i mean i think our vote last week the fans agreed with you and they voted clever as the highest the other question you have to ask is is Harry Lennon's only position in the team as, is it the left-sided centre-back? Would he be able to play in Aaron Hayden's position? Would he play in Ben Toza's position? Or is his route into the team only by replacing Max? Yeah, it, uh, that's a fair comment. I, I, I wonder if Aaron Hayden was injured or they decided to rest him, for example, and it was decided that for whatever reason it's not Tunnicliffe coming in, we're going to give Lennon some minutes... Would he put Lennon on the left and move Max to the right? I think Max would probably be more the one who would be more suited to playing in the right-sided centre-back yeah. position. Um, Harry Lennon is very much all left-footed. 
from what I've seen from Max, he's more two-footed than Lennon. Um, so you, you're probably right. You could have Tozer as the central and then um, Clayworth on the right, Lennon on the left. But then also, another side point of this question is, what about Tunnicliffe? Because he was a player I was expecting to see um, a lot of this season. Maybe, like you say, ahead of Max as a left-sided centre-back. So Parky's also got a decision in, does he put Lennon in or does he put Tunnicliffe in if one of the centre-backs does get injured? Yeah, it, he's got it, but that's a good problem for him to have. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. So I think the uh, I agree with you. I think um, unless somebody, unless for instance, unless Max is or somebody's form falls away, then they're going to have to sit on the bench and fight it out for a while, aren't they? And in training um, to get a place in the team because there's just no way at the moment you could drop. You would realistically you wouldn't drop any of them off off what we've had so far. Exactly, pretty much. So there's your answer. Uh, was it Andy who sent that question in? Yeah, that was it. That one was, yeah. Yeah, right. Good so, question, Andy. It's no <laughs> in summary. Next one is from Lee Roberts. Now, this is a lot. This, there's a paragraph here. Um, let's see. Thoughts or opinions? Right. By sport, the league, no, BT Sports, stroke the <laughs> league, make very little money outside of the UK. Uh, BT, BT Sport isn't available unless you're sort of hooking it up via a VPN outside of the UK. So I don't understand why streaming of matches isn't permitted. I don't see how the money is lost from BT Sport by allowing it. Indeed, there could be a little in it for them if they charge clubs who would stream via, via a subscription or service. Um, yes, Robin Ryan have a vested interest. After all, they are primarily businessmen and football is a business, but they asked on behalf of all the teams in the league. I don't understand the reticence of the league to allow it. Perhaps I stroke we're missing something. Perhaps afraid of dilution of other revenue streams as there's a, an assumption that folk may not subscribe to other leagues or services. I don't know what as BT Sport rarely stream non-league. Perhaps the solution is that if a match is shown on BT Sport, then they get the entire revenue for that match from any club. Um, so streaming is in the news section later because we've had an update on that, haven't we? Uh, I don't know if you've seen that uh, yesterday, yeah. today. I've lost track. Um, <laughs> yesterday, today. But I think um, we'll cover it a little bit more perhaps then. Uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about it. But I think what what it's leaning towards is it's, it seems to be a BT issue, and BT are afraid of obviously uh, missing out. Um, is the I don't think it's necessarily the National League because obviously they're saying they're still going to have this meeting in a week's time, um, where their their centralised sort of proposition will be discussed now. But I think it's a, if if anything now, I think it's more of a BT issue, um, and obviously what you know. They're afraid of you know they want to stay. They just want to make sure they're getting money. Whatever whatever's happening, they've got the exclusive rights to the national league. They want a chunk, don't they? Yeah, I mean you've summed it up pretty well. The only party set to lose out from this international streaming proposal would be BT Sport because they're losing out on revenue. And I'm not a hundred percent sure of the ins and outs. You would hope the national league wouldn't be blocking this uh, proposal because it can only benefit them. I don't get why the National League would oppose it. Um, so like you say, the party who were probably the um, well, acting as the stumbling block is BT Sport. And I guess the question is, do Rob 
and Ryan have enough influence and business acumen um negotiating skills i'm sure they do to try and bend bt sports arm i'm not sure because the person at the head of bt will say does this make us money no will it potentially lose us money yes so why would we do that um and if they're trying to make money you have to say fair enough yeah but it there must be a solution somehow there must be and i i, I put a tweet out at some point last week saying <clears throat> it's you've got a massive opportunity over these eight weeks. If you were ever going to launch a streaming service and get more eyes than ever on the National League, it's going to be in the next, what have we got left? Six weeks while this documentary is on. That's the reality. You know, while it's still being talked about all the time. And if the National League had any business now about them, they would be making this happen, not looking for ways to stop it. You know, if you yeah. had really savvy business people, they would be thinking, well, we'll get more sponsorship from this. You know, uh, the opportunities that would be afforded would be really, really big. Yeah, again, I'm not an expert in telecommunications, but I don't know how easy it is to make their um, programmes available overseas, but Everybody's already done it. investment. Everybody's already done it in COVID. When we, when we had COVID, yeah. everybody was streaming. So, you know, it's, it's, it's there. We're ready. Everybody's potentially ready to go. They just need the, you know, they just need the, the, the go ahead. Yeah. Cause you're going to have about tens of thousands of new reps and supporters, but you may also get some new supporters of other national league teams who take a shine into Wheelstone, for example. Yeah. Yeah. No. The potential to, to maximize interest in the national league, which will only serve BT sport. Well, I think that merits, um, a discussion and well some... and it sounds like they're going to have it in a week or so's yeah. time obviously but they want to they want to do it their way don't they okay yeah and, and again i'm going on twitter every day and see the amount of overseas fans who are asking oh how can i watch games how can i get merchandise how can i get to the ground can i get a ticket it feels like such a shame to exclude them from the match day experience even if they are getting up at four, five, six in the morning to watch us. Agreed. Did you see the naughty stream, by the way, on Saturday? The naughty stream? Yeah, somebody uh, somebody put a tweet out from, I believe it was from New York. Um, I think it was at half time I saw it, and they were watching a, a live stream of the game, of the Wrexham game. So we're, uh, uh, there were, there's some assumptions that it might be somebody that works inside of the sort of... Uh, documentary or maximum effort or something you know the, somebody li linked to Wrexham via tenuous circumstances that uh, might have put the tweet out and then it got deleted when they realized that they shouldn't really have obviously put that out <laughs> so uh, yeah that was quite an interesting one right so uh, linking to the documentary emma roberts friend i'm going to call a friend of the show because obviously she's been on here and she comes on the spaces with us uh, a yeah. massive wrexham fan so um, a couple of things that the news that on the documentary with parkinson facing the sack and showing this I'll, I'll clarify this in a second personally i think it shouldn't be on there i know it's a warts and all but as he's still in charge it's a bit undermining um so what she's uh, referring to there is that um, one of the documentaries, uh, I believe it's like about episode 11 or episode 12, it's called Sack the Gaffer. 
Is there a synopsis to go with it? There is, about Ryan and Rob discuss whether to relieve Phil Parkinson of his job. Or words to that effect. I haven't got it in front of me. If you look on IMDb or something, it will tell you. But that's the that's the sort of, you know, that's the rough, the rough. And obviously this this has caused a bit of debate now because it's a bit like, oh, that doesn't feel a very clever document. You know, does Phil know this? Uh, you know, has anybody warned him? <laughs> you know, and... Um, They've been talking about it on spaces and stuff after the after the game on uh, on Saturday, and I think at the moment we have to. I don't think it's very clever. I think personally, I probably myself, I wouldn't have done that. I wouldn't have called the episode that. I'd have called it something else. Um, and if you want, you know, you could have put under pressure, or you know, you could have found another, you know, another. I think you could have found something cleverer to tell the same message. But that said. Um, I think until we see the, the the episode, like Ryan and Rob could be really supportive. Maybe it's Humphrey or um, Sean Harvey who's saying, "Listen, you know, we've, I don't know. We don't know chronologically exactly when the episode takes place, but we're going to assume it's that, you know, sort of November, October, yeah, fifteen-ish games in. Would we have yeah. been? And it was a bit stale, and we were all a bit like." Oh, this isn't really what we thought we were, you know. We were all expecting this big revolution of the, the football side, and it wasn't happening, was it? It was a bit stagnant, and it was a bit, you know, all the pieces weren't in place, as we saw. So, you know, if if they, they show a Zoom call where perhaps, uh, you know, Sean or Humphrey say, you know, there's a lot of external noise around Phil Parkinson. What do you think? And Rob and Ryan sort of say, well, basically, well, he's the guy we went after. So he's, you know, do we think he can turn it around, Sean? Because it'd be Sean that they would be getting advice off. I mean, or Les Reed, I'm assuming, being the football people at the club. Um, and he says, well, I believe he can, which is why, I, you know, I recommended him or put him forward or whatever happened. And they go, yep, OK, that's it. We're back. We're behind him. On we go. Well, then that'll be a shot in the arm for Phil Parkinson, won't it? But I guess if the flip side is if it's a bit of a, you know, if we get five minutes of them going, well, yeah, but what about this? And, oh, we don't score enough goals. And, oh, the football was a bit drab. And, oh, and you know, and it does look like they really were considering it. I guess that could be a little bit awkward. Yeah, I agree with you. We don't know how um, morally right, let's say, that episode will be until we see the content of that, uh, all those discussions. Um, obviously, Ryan and Rob, from what we've seen in the early episodes, they're sort of new to how English football works and how football management works. And they were probably wondering in October, November time, which we think is when these discussions were taking place, they probably saw we were, what, 11th, 12th in the league. We'd gone on a, a string of games where we were drawing matches. We'd lost a few. We weren't playing great football. There was a lot of fan frustrations. And they probably didn't know whether it was right to sack a manager at that point. Um, I imagine American football, baseball, basketball, all have different sort of protocols or actions which have to happen before you sack a head coach. So I think the content of that episode is going to be Rob and Ryan. Obviously, we know they really like Phil Parkinson. And we've gathered that from the early episodes in the documentary and 
what they've said about him um, throughout their time at the club. I think they're going to be supportive of Parkinson. I think they'll address their concerns. And I think you're bang on. They'll probably go to Sean Harvey, Les Reed, the guys with 30-odd years of English Football League experience between them. They'll be the ones who will be telling Ryan and Rob that we're two, three months into the season. It's a new team. It's a new project. Let's wait till after Christmas. Let's see what we can do in the January transfer window. And then we'll make a decision. Um, I think if they had sacked Parkey, maybe they wouldn't show those discussions out of respect. But because they backed Parkey, Parkey obviously turned it around almost enough to get us promoted. Not quite, but in my books, the season was to look success. I wouldn't have any issues with seeing a programme or an episode which shows Rob and Ryan sharing their concerns and Leslie slash Sean Harvey telling them not to worry. Um, let's wait a few more months and see how the season progresses after Christmas. Yeah, just I just wrote down a couple of things then. So I think on uh, just as a, another couple of add-on points. So on one hand, from an editorial point of view, if you increase the drama around that situation, you're sort of, you, you know, you are sort of saying, oh, it was so bad they were considering firing Phil Parkinson. The flip side this, by the end of the season, you you know, we're a breath away from getting promoted, aren't we? Well, we're a bit further away. You know, we were right in the mix. So yeah. you, get a, you get a journey then, which you can obviously go through in the documentary in a couple of episodes or whatever it is. So exactly. I, I, I suspect that's what's behind it. It's more, I, I don't profess to work in TV at all. Um, but, you know, I suspect there's a bit of an, another motivator behind it. But the flip side to that is that I would, uh, we've seen a little bit of Rob McElhenney. I think he's a bit of a winner. I, th I think he wants to win. You know, there's in, the, in one of the episodes last week, he was talking about, well, we've got these draws, you know, well, we've drawn again. And I don't like, you know, I, he basically, I, think, I can't remember whether he says, I don't like losing or I want to win. Um, but I get the impression that, you know, they they they're striving for success strongly and i would hope that there are people at least questioning in when things are not going well not necessarily being disruptive but at least asking the right questions like are we set up for success has phil Parkinson got the right players you know have we got the right facilities and then at some point you go down the list and go well if everything's in place and phil parkinson isn't delivering well then there needs to be a then there should be but we weren't at that point, were we? You know, we weren't losing games or, or anything like that. Exactly, yeah. And at the end of the day, when they bought the club, they were taking over a, a business which they want to be successful. And obviously Ryan as well, from his business side, he's made millions, if not billions, from his gin, his mobile phone company, et cetera, et cetera. So... Although, like you say, or like I say, like we both say, they probably don't know the ins and outs of English football. They're not stupid. And they'll see on social media what the fans' opinion is of the team, of the management team. And like you say, they should, they've got every right to ask questions, whether it be of the manager, of the players, if things aren't going well. But I do think they both have a human side as well. I don't think they're ruthless I don't think they're like the Chelsea <laughs> board of directors, for example, where they would <laughs> oh. ruthlessly sack a manager six or seven games into the season that things go, weren't going well. 
and they've both got a heart and like we said at the start of the podcast it would take an extreme set of results um for them to say let's uh Phil Parkinson especially early in the season I think so I agree can okay. I just go quickly go off on a tangent in terms of um documentary content versus respecting the players what did you think of the scene which involved um i know where you're going Cameron green and dan jarvis when they spoke <laughs> about paul mullins as they said okay so um i didn't think it was very clever of them uh i know again we weren't there. It's hard to get context of the conversations, etc. Um, so I, I, I totally agree with that. Um, but there was just a couple of things that people said that made me think I wish they hadn't. I just wish they hadn't spoken about it like that because you're opening yourself up to criticism. Um, so I just, I wish they'd have been a bit mature, more mature. Um, you know, Paul Mullin earns whatever he earns. Because he scored thirty-four goals for, you know, and you know, so he he's earned the money by his performances on the pitch. If you want the same sort of money, go out and perform at a similar level to Paul Mullin. And um, obviously, none of them did. Um, I think there's only one player left now out of that little group, isn't there, at the club? Reese Hall Johnson. Which is yeah. Reese Hall Johnson, and you could argue. That we may never see him again once he's back fit. I don't know when his contract ends, but he's got Ford and Hosanna in front of him. I'm not sure, you know, uh, that we'll that we'll see him much as I like Reese Hall Johnson. I will add that one of the players from that uh, from that scene uh, direct messaged me to try and plead defence for themselves because I'd written about it on Twitter. <laughs> Um, and I'd said I wish they'd been a bit more mature about it, and I'm kind of glad that they're not around the around the club. If that's what the you know, if that's what's gonna gonna sort of rattle yeah. their cages, I'd rather have mature adults who just get on with it. Um, that might be unrealistic in the world of football. We'd have to speak to a, a you know somebody who lives in the world of football because um, maybe it is a topic of conversation all the time. We just we're not a privy to it. But I I just wish they hadn't done it in the same way I wish Dean Keats hadn't had that you remember in episode one when Humphrey came don't think that was handled very well um, and maybe it was because the cameras were there maybe everybody felt uncomfortable we'll never know we weren't there I wish they hadn't done it it came across to me as a bit immature um, and yeah I don't know what what about you what did you what was your gut yeah um, well presumably not going to name the player who sent you a DM out of respect which is completely fair enough but it proves that they probably did regret what they said and they were trying to clear it up. Um, I don't think there was any sort of malice in it. I just think it was incredibly stupid. Um, you know this documentary and potentially everything that you say to the interviewers could be going out to an audience of millions of people. And yes, they are young. They're what, 21, 22, 23, but they're also grown adults and professional footballers. Um, so eight to... I don't know if they're doing it on purpose or whether it's an inside joke to call Paul Mullin Paul Mullins. I thought that alone was a bit disrespectful. I'm not and sure. Yeah, quotes from somebody. There was uh, that came across to me as a bit disingenuous. Yeah, I mean, it's none of their business, really, how much someone earns. 
in all respects. Yes, you might get an OED. You're not on as much money as them. But as you say, if you want to go and earn more money, then go and prove yourself. Um, but yes, it was very, very immature. And they should have known better to say things like that. What did they think was going to happen? And it creates um, a little bit of unease for Paul Mullen and Riesel Johnson, I guess, when they returned to training after that episode. And um, whether Riesel Johnson had to clear the air, whether Jarvis or Green have contacted Mullen since the doc documentary went out, I don't know. I just think it was an easily avoidable um, situation. And yes, we've all probably had in private had conversations about how much people are on in work. And that's fine if you do it in private and the person who you're talking about doesn't find out. We all have private conversations, but don't do it in front of a, a Disney Plus camera crew who are about to release a documentary to millions of people around the world. Here, here. Well said. <laughs> uh... Right, let's 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 uh, let's go on another one. Christian McHale. So this is a similar question to one from before. Was Tony Cliff brought in just for cover? Is Cleworth impressing Parky and keeping him out of the side? He's not even on the bench. Care to hear to hear your thoughts? Um, I don't necessarily think he was brought in as cover. I think he was brought in to fight for a first team place slightly different in those are slightly different things in my opinion um i think that you know parkinson would have said you know if you turn up you play well uh, train hard you look after yourself then you know you're potentially uh, gonna start but obviously i don't think he would have been told you know we're only gonna need your 15 16 games of the season and you know to come in and uh, and play that because he was player of the year in league two i think for crawley wasn't it um, where he yeah. came from so i think to a certain extent it comes back to what we said before in that there's everybody keeps targeting cleworth because i think we all sort of assumed that well there's just, just no way he could keep up his growth rate and you know one of these big experienced pros is going to just come and take his place and max has just gone yeah no no that's not <laughs> happening <laughs> yeah uh, and he just goes goes about it so I don't think he was brought in as cover. Cleworth's form is keeping him out. So is Hayden's and Tozer's. Um, although, again, Tozer gets a lot of stick. Um, but that long throw is such a weapon, and his experience and leadership is unquantifiable, probably. Um, so I think he'll just, you know, he's going to have to sit tight and fight for his place. And eventually, something will give. Somebody will get an injury, a suspension. Naturally, you would assume with the defenders, somebody's going to get sent off. Um, and then it'll be up to him and Harry Lennon to fight out for that spot. Yeah, it's a good question. I think that Phil Parkinson, at the start of the season, probably thought to himself, Ben Tozer and Aaron Hayden are my two of the first names on the team sheet. Um, Hayden, obviously, because he's an absolute beast. Tozer, he's the, is he the captain? Or oh, he's one of the captains. Obviously, he's got the long throw. He's um, plenty of League Two, League One experience. Played most of the games last season. And I think he probably brought Tunnicliffe in to perhaps challenge Max for that left-sided centre-back position. Um, so maybe see who performed well best in pre-season training, um, who looked good in pre-season games, who was looking sharper. Um, I might be wrong. I can't read Phil Parkinson's mind, but... I'm not convinced at the start of the season he had Max Clayworth down as a nailed starter in that left-sided centre-back position. 
which is why I think he's gone for strength and depth in terms of left-footed centre-backs. Obviously, we've got Clayworth, we've got Lennon, and of course, Tony Cliff as well. So it's a good question, actually. I'm actually not sure. Um, I just think it comes down to having strength and depth, which you need if you're going to win the title. And I think that's where, well, that's one of the areas, if you think back to that Grimsby game, you know, a lot of that was defensive mistakes, wasn't it? So I think that's what he's, uh, that's what he's sort of, he's gone, well, I can't have that again this season. So, he, you know, he's got two quality pros on the bench. And then obviously Dan Davis can come in, who's very highly regarded, um, who played a little bit pre-season. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. our, in effect, our sixth choice is a very highly regarded, who was wanted by Premier League clubs, I think, uh, centre-half. Yeah, like you say, we don't want to go into a big game where we're in the position of having to play a, centre-back, no disrespect to Tyler French, but a centre-back who's probably not played a lot of that season, perhaps a bit rusty and certainly not effective as Aaron Hayden was, who he came in to replace. So I think Parkey learned his lesson from that Grimsby game and strength and depth, especially at the back, is uh, is paramount. Yeah. Okay, last question. Uh, so this is from Damien. What are your thoughts on the £19 ticket prices now? I think it's great value watching the team. I can understand the cost of a family of four is difficult right now, and some I know fans are picking and choosing which games to go to. Um, so uh, initially, I think I, I understand that sort of you know bordering on twenty pound for an adult is quite challenging at the moment, um, given the fact that uh, you know energy prices etc are, are, are stretching everybody um and i understand that um you might say oh well it's national league why are we paying that much money in the national league um, you know you can get premier league tickets for not too dissimilar money um to be fair i think we also have to bear in mind that you know although ryan and robert brought in a lot of sponsorship uh, and pumped in a lot of money themselves we, we do need this to be a business and to look after itself. So there will be a formula which says a, a, a seat has to be X amount. And the, there's a saying, which I can't remember word for word, but the, the, basically, the basics of it are, you know, if you're, cha- if, if, if you're charging £19 for a seat and selling out every week, yeah, for an adult, obviously, yeah. If you're charging £19 for an adult and sell out every week, then in the business world, they say, you're not charging enough. So I know that might sound a bit weird, but if you think about it, you know, you're, you're, you, you've probably got room actually to put your prices up a little bit and you'll find a balance where you pretty much, you know, you have, there's a lot of people that unfortunately it would be too much for them, but there are other people that will go. Um, so I don't think £19 is the end of the world. I think it feels like it some days after you've had a drab nil-nil or something, if you think, oh, well, where did my money go? Um, but, you know, they're selling out the stadium. So it's clearly good value. If it wasn't, people wouldn't, we wouldn't be selling it out, would we? Yeah, I mean, I can see both sides of the argument. Side A, we're a promotion-chasing team players worry of playing in much higher leagues especially our attacking players and we're selling out so it's a good match day experience a good atmosphere 19 pounds yeah 
I don't think you can have you can complain too much at nineteen pounds. You you could take your family. Well, you go to the cinema. You're charging what thirteen, fourteen pounds to watch a film these days. Go out for a meal. You're looking at twenty pounds. The issue is obviously with winter coming up and bills, electricity and energy prices going up. I do think if we have a back-to-back home games from November through to January, fans are going to have to make some tough decisions because it's hard times for everyone. Um, And obviously, anger should be vented towards the government rather than the football club um, in terms of prices. What I would potentially like to see, and this will be probably some good PR for the club, for Robin Ryan, is to maybe reduce prices for two of the games in the very, very depths of winter, especially if we've got a Saturday, Tuesday back-to-back. Could we do a a two for £25 deal, even a two for £30 deal, just to take a little bit of that price off and um, help supporters and make sure we get full attendances um, in the winter, which I think we may struggle to sell out. I think we've sold out every home match, certainly since February, March um, earlier this year the second half of the season and it'd be a shame to see attendances go down to perhaps seven or eight thousand over the winter so I do hope the club and I know they're a money-making business at the end of the day and it'll probably come at some financial hit to the club but I would like to see some um, help in regards to ticket prices over the winter. Okay well let's 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 hope that the fan advisory group uh, yes. put, uh, put in sort of that sort of suggestion forward because um, that is the type of thing that obviously can make a difference it does affect the community and um, you know does make a difference to people but overall I think generally if we weren't if we weren't going through those uh, tough times I think we'd be probably saying yeah we, you know yeah. we're doing all right with that aren't we yeah, normal times, I'd say £19 is very much value for money. And you could even argue that you could probably charge one or two pounds more. But yeah, the caveat, the big caveat is the energy crisis we're about to uh, endure. OK, so a few news stories just from around our club and... Um, just some that are relevant to the league, I think, just just worth having a, a chat about. Uh, so let's start with Wrexham Ladies. Wrexham Ladies that we don't really talk about. Um, got their first game of the season out of the way. How did they get on, Alex? We won by a lot of goals, and Rosie Hughes scored a lot of goals, I believe. Yeah, I think you could just say that every week, couldn't you? <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah, we, we they won 6-0. Rosie got a hat-trick, uh, Ava Suckley got two, and Libby McKenzie got a goal, which you knew that, I could tell, by the way you were looking at me down the camera. I was literally about to say you got the other goals. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, they came quite close last year to a bit of silverware. Let's see how they get on this year. You know, they've got that nice new shiny sponsor on their kit, obviously, in uh, Betty Buzz. Uh, which actually looks better than than our kit, but we won't talk about that. That sponsorship on the arm does look nice. Um, so that's good. The, the women are up and running. Um, um, just on a side note, I do oh, hope we get the chance to watch the women at the race course this season. Yeah, I think their the popularity is the same with women's football in general. It's 
um, massive rise in, in popularity and interest. And I think, oh, well, I hope that the Wrexham fan base are taken in by it as well, because there's another great story there and potential for the team to go on to great things. I believe there's some complications with promotions or getting a pro licence. Um, but I think if they played at the race course on a convenient time, perhaps on a Saturday or a Sunday, we could pull a crowd of 1,000 plus in, no issues. Yeah, so they play they play on a Sunday. So um, I'm sure I I agree. Interestingly, I did put the feelers out to see if we could uh, potentially speak to any of the girls. Um, yeah. I'm I'm waiting for the official comeback, but I was told by unofficial channels that the club don't really want players talking to anybody at the moment. So uh, of any men or women. So I okay. don't fancy I don't fancy our chances, but um, you know I did speak to a couple of the ladies and they were really keen for it. So the request is in. Um, uh, uh, so that's that one. So uh, the co-chairman were on telly again. Did you see that today? They were doing more uh, more promotional. So work. They're earning um, their money. Some videos pop up on Twitter today. I've not had the chance to to watch them yet, but I'll certainly will before I go to bed. Did you see them? Yeah, just a couple of little clips that get circulated. You know, we, you, 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 you don't hear a lot unless Ryan really says something either brilliantly funny or offensive uh, and that people sort of clip it then, don't they? Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it, you know, it's it's more of the same of what we've got. You know, they're still getting the same questions. To be fair to them, they're smiling and, you know, why wreck them? And you're like, oh, you know, um, they, you know yeah, they're being I mean, very I polite. Of Rob trying to explain the offside law which was um your typical question to a yeah, person from a football background uh yeah so they're still doing that not that it needs much more promotion um to be fair um so we lost a staff member today um so ryan grant who was the head of marketing and comms has left his role uh been with the club uh since i, I, I believe it was march um, so he's going on. I mean, I just I'm assuming that they'll have somebody else lined up. I don't think he's just down. Don't get the impression from his statement that he's down tools and just given up. I suspect he's worked his notice period and that they'll announce somebody. I mean, it's quite a senior role, isn't it, head of marketing and communications? So, um, oh, was, especially with our um, the timing the spotlight as they are at the moment, you would think um, we are going to get another marketing communications manager in. Um, ASAP. Yeah. 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 So for those people who uh, who uh, do keep serious track, um, yeah, we might we might see a, another new face, fresh face come in um, to there. Uh, our streaming request was rejected officially by the National League Stroke BT. So that's come out now. Our request to do it ourselves is uh, has been thrown out. Any surprise there? Um, you know what? I'm a little bit of surprise. Maybe it's just the optimist in me who was hoping that we'd get a fantastic solution which benefited everyone. Our fans across the world could watch us. Everyone would adopt Wrexham as the second team. We'd have fans in Australia watching at midnight, fans in America watching at 8am. But the reality is it's a business world, isn't it? And businesses are only going to have to look well, they're only going to look after their own interests at the end of the day. They probably won't pay too much attention into the benefits of the fan in America or Australia or individual clubs. So, yeah, I, 
yeah, maybe I'm not surprised after all. I just had a little bit of hope that things might be different, but there we go. Yeah, I wasn't surprised. Um, although, obviously, the caveat that's on the table was that that was our request to do it ourselves that we'd put yeah. forward. So there remains this conversation. I believe it's on the 14th or 15th, so about a week's time, where the, the, the centralised version of streaming is to be discussed. But I don't suspect that we'll be waking up going, oh, look, we can stream games now. I suspect it'll be, well, we've agreed with a basic structure and now we'll go and look into the logistics and it'll be, that's what it feels like. Maybe I'll be wrong, but that, that's what it feels like we'll be getting from the National League myself. Yeah, I certainly wouldn't expect it this season. I mean, that's the pretty much a certain. Yeah, I'm, I'm tending to agree with you. So just a couple of other things then from around the league, which you may have seen or you may not have seen. Uh, there was a bit of racist chanting caught on camera at Yeovil. Did you hear about that? A bit unfortunate yeah, that went out on the videos. The, the York player, uh, John Lewis, took the penalty. Um, what sounded very much like uh, racist or monkey chants from the, the home end, I believe it was. And credit to Yeovil, they put a statement out saying they're going to do a full investigation and take the appropriate actions. But 2022 to hear things like that it's just sad makes really sick, yeah. isn't it yeah um and it makes you worry that these people are going to football matches and they, and they walk amongst us and i just hope yeovil can find those responsible issue the appropriate um disciplinary actions i imagine it'll be a criminal um investigation process as well and just be as strict as you can, make an example, because we don't want to see things like this. And I'd hate to see something like that happen at the race course um, and bring the club's name into disgrace, really, over the actions of a mindless few idiots. Um, but yeah, that wasn't great to see, was it? Agreed. Um, and the other one was that that was a bit striking. Um, it was the Chesterfield incident. The alleged assault um, of an Oldham player in the players area of the car park or something uh, now that's you know he's had to have medical attention um and it is alleged that it was a potentially a chesterfield player um, that did it now there is unfortunately there are names out there but because it's a criminal investigation now they can't officially name him as of yet can they um they're not allowed yes. to say anything so we won't say anything if you look on social media, it won't take you long to find out who the alleged person is. Um, but I think the only classless thing that came from this, I don't know if you saw Chesterfield's statement, where they, there was no remorse at all about, you know, we hope the player is okay, or, you know, it's just we are aware exactly. that, 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 you know, that, that yeah. there is this allegation, uh, and we'll look into it. And I just thought that was the just, you know, just think about what you're writing and just say, you know, exactly. we hope he's okay. And obviously the correct sort of investigations will take place. Yeah. And I appreciate that, well, allegedly, it was one of the players who um, inflicted the attack. And they've got every right to protect their player, stand by their player until obviously an investigation has been carried out and the appropriate um, findings have been presented. I get that 100%. But like you say, there's nothing stopping them from having a little bit of class and saying... Chesterfield FC wishes Hallam Hope all the best in his recovery. One sentence. Yeah. Classy thing to do. Um, but 
well, I'm not going to say it actually. Actually, I will say it. Do we expect um, anything better from Chesterfield given their history on sensitive subjects? Don't answer that. Don't answer that. I'm I'm not saying anything. This is all on you. I did that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's the that's that that's so yeah, that was just a little not the best way to handle the situation, but uh, just a little bit of yeah. news that's going on in and around that sort of either involves us directly or indirectly. Um, so Shamanga we... as well didn't go to Birmingham in the end. Yeah, so it was it you or Richie that told me he was gone and it was done, and I went to bed thinking this is great, and then I wake up and he's still a still a Chesterfield player. And my understanding was that it wasn't a medical issue, regardless of what you read. It was that the, yeah. they were they were haggling over maybe financial structure or whatever. Um, but it, that was it was it was the, the negotiations between the clubs which uh, held up the move. And then obviously they ran out of time. Um, I guess the only positive um, for Wrexham fans and well, other fans in the league is the fact that Shamanga was willing to go, he wanted that move by the sounds of it. Now he's back at Chesterfield. Is he going to be 100% committed? And I mean, they left him out of the team on Saturday, presumably to clear his head. Yeah. Uh, you know, that type of, uh, you know, because potentially he's going into EFL football and now he's coming back. So there'll be a bit of a, you know, he might have needed a, a week or so to get back to it. I mean, the, the flip side is, let's be respectful. This is a really good striker. So we get to see Shimanga for another little bit. Um, no, you know, not you, for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just trying to be nice. Um, yeah. But, you know, who's not? we'll see what happens in January now. Will they come back? You know, if he scores more goals, does somebody else come in? Now teams pretty much know his value whatever it was, that rumoured sort of three quarters of a million-ish figure. Um, you know, they've put a price on him now, haven't they? So uh... I never thought I'd say this, but I'm hoping that Birmingham City don't score many goals from now until January. <laughs> so they have to go and buy him. Exactly. That's how <laughs> desperate I am to see the back of him. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, so should we look ahead? Should we look ahead? Yes. We'll look ahead. Yes. So what we'll do for actually first... Um, we, we will load up the, the new super spreadsheet. Super spreadsheet. <laughs> this is the score prediction spreadsheet. So I've been back and listened to the podcast because um, yeah. I thought we, we do these predictions every week, and like you know, we don't, unless I get it right, I don't speak about them. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, oh, I better go back and have a look at what we predicted versus uh, what the actual score was. I think and we I, all did pretty well, didn't we? Well, I, I think we're going to agree that I win this. Um, but nobody got it spot on. So, obviously, we won 5-0. Okay. So, um, Richie predicted 3-1 to us. Uh, you predicted 4-1. Uh, and I predicted 3-2. So, given that there was five goals, I think I we can say, you know, that that's a win for me. Do you agree? Absolutely no chance. I think 4-1 <laughs> is a... The clear winner there. The clear winner. <laughs> Two points to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, if I remember hearing the words, this could be basketball and it might not be straightforward and I don't fancy us keeping a clean sheet. And it was none, none of, of us saw the clean sheet coming. <laughs> it was none of them things. Yeah. So, uh, so, okay. So, Maid and Ed, we'll, uh, we will do score predictions for the uh, midweek game as well. But uh, Maid and Ed... Team-wise, any changes, do you think? Is anything... I mean, I've not heard a, a thing about injuries or anything. So, 
um, you know. The only talking point for me is the number 10 role. Elliot Lee. Elliot Lee or Jordan Davis, who plays at number 10. Everyone else, I think the same team as, as the Dorking game, Howard in goal, Mendy and Ford fullbacks, your standard three centre-backs, your standard two up top, probably James Jones and Luke Young, and do you start Lee or do you keep Davis and maybe bring Lee off the bench? That's the only... Um, so bear in mind we've got two games in five days, whatever it is, you know. Um, you would expect a little bit... Would you expect a little bit of rotation somewhere? Or does he just keep... Do you think he's just going to grind it out until he has to? I think if we win, and we win well on Saturday, I don't think he'll change it. He may change the fullbacks, maybe one of the fullbacks, but knowing Parkey on evidence last season and this season... I don't think he's one to, to change the winning team, um, even with a, a three-day turnaround. Of course, he can get players picking up knocks, um, coming off early, bit of cramp. Um, so we'll wait and see if that happens on Saturday. But if we win Saturday, no injuries, I wouldn't be surprised to see him stick with the same team. Is that, so you think he's going to stick with the same team? I think he's going to have no choice other than to start Lee this week. On the Saturday? Yeah. I think Lee will start. I think Elliot Lee will start this week. I'm going to put it out there. Uh, well, we'll quote you on that and uh, see what happens on Saturday. Well, I think every week I say Lee's going to start and Tom O'Connor's going to come in in midfield, and it doesn't seem to happen. But um, yeah, I, th- I just think you can't not another goal. You know, another very influential uh, cameo off the bench. I just, I just, I think he'll have to start him. Did see his dad by the way in the car park at Dorking. So the famous Rob Lee. Oh, Rob Lee, of course. Yeah. Okay. I would have had a photo with him, but he was on the phone, so I didn't want to disturb him. Because yeah. it would be a bit rude if I just went up and took a selfie while he was on the phone. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> his dad was there. So, would it be the only embarrassing thing you did? Uh, no, well, it? it depends on how you regard the sock situation, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, come on then, scores on the doors now. Um Maiden Head, who sit in about 17th, I think, if memory serves me right. Yeah, I think they've won two out of seven, lost every away game. They've gone on a terrible run as well. It's all set up for a Maiden Head win. This. They're on a terrible one. I think they've lost three and drawn one of the last four. You know, the signs would suggest it's going to be a comfortable home win. Um, but football's never that straightforward. I don't think we beat Maiden Head last year. I think we they got. We got beat away and then yes. they scraped a draw at the race course when Mullen got, Mullen sent, got off. sent off after about four minutes for a kung yeah. fu tackle. But he said he slipped. <laughs> so whether you class them as a bogey team or not, I'm not quite sure. But like I said at the start of the podcast in regards to Dorking, if every player on that pitch has a six or seven out of ten, we'll win and we'll we'll comfortably. Um, and I think we will. I'm going to go for another clean sheet. And I think... 3-0 Wrexham win. Right, I'm putting that into the supercomputer. Uh, <laughs> you'll be pleased to know that you and Richie have gone for 3-0. Oh, you can't copy me. Well, to be fair, he gave me his first. So, <laughs> so that doesn't count. Um, I'm going to go 3-1. I think yeah. we'll win 3-1. Um, and then we move on to a tricky uh, game, I think, in Dagenham. Because they're always a bit of a 
not always, but they're a bit, you know, they're not they're not a bad side. They're a bit better than everybody thinks they are, and they've got deadly McCallum and um, oh the tricky Palanta, is it? No, the Murray Junior. Mar- in the, yep, yeah, you're nearly there. Oh, see, we, I mean, we know this league that well. I can't remember this fella's name. Billy Murray, is that it? No, I'm not thinking. No. That. You're, uh, what's the date? Oh, I. This, this is great listening. We know we know we are the number one place that you come to for all your useful information <laughs> about the National League. Um, While you look for this player, you do have to look every week. Last result. 5 0 home to Notts County. Marice. Yeah, sorry. Yes, you were right. Who's what? Just in regards to Dagenham, didn't they lose their last game 5 0 at home to Notts? They did. But I think what's becoming clear is that County are a decent side. <laughs> I was hoping there'd be a bit of a, you know, transitional period with new manager and their two best centre forwards going. But it turns out they've got a better centre forward um, in, in Langstaff, who leads the race with nine goals already, I think, or ten. Yeah, I mean, they signed him Patrick. From, he was top scorer at Gateshead, wasn't he, in the National League North last and, season. Yeah, and his strike partner, Scott, Kedwin Scott, who's obviously gone there as well. Yeah. No, that looks a good bit of business, that. Fair play to Knotts. Um, but yeah, Dagenham, usually a tricky place to go. Yeah. So it's got five there. Either Dagenham had a bad day at the office, Knotts had a very good one, maybe a bit of both. Um I think our advantage is they've got to come up to us on a Tuesday night after yes. A, yes. after playing Saturday, of course. Um, I think that'll play into our hands. I think we've probably got more strength in depth. Um, you could argue we're a fitter team in midfield. James Jones never stops running. Same with Luke Young. I, yeah, it'll be a tough game, but I think we'll beat Dagenham as well. So they've got to go to York on Saturday. And then so they've got back-to-back waves. Yeah. Okay. So, what's your score prediction? No pressure. Mm. I think we'll win. I'm going to go for um, 2 0. 2 0. 2 0. 2 0. I'll put 2 0 in to the supercomputer. I've got to be confident, haven't I? I'm going to go 2 1. All right. Yeah. So earlier, while he was drinking sangrias, obviously I asked Richie for his uh, his score predictions, um, and Richie thinks that uh, this will be a walk in the park and that we're going to win five nil. He's been on the sangria. Hasn't he? <laughs> I, I was I'm a bit like, are you sure? He's like, yeah, we're on a run now. That's it. So what um, strength for those Dominican beers? Yeah, well, yeah, quite quite right. Or how many has he had? So yeah, um, so yeah. So we've got two home games. Lovely. It's just just how we like it. Yeah, looking forward to going to both of them. Um, commentary duties upcoming? Yeah, first commentary duty of the season on the Saturday and then going with a friend on the Tuesday. So very much looking forward to it. Oh, lovely stuff. Well, we'll see. Um, well, on Friday night, uh, we've started. Uh, I know you were... You know, you claimed you were out last week and you couldn't talk while you left me getting buried under <laughs> under the weight of the Twitter spaces. Um, so on, fr- on fr- Friday's a good night for me because I don't have anything to do and the, the other people in the house go off to roller disco. 
So, um, yeah, this week I said I'll do another Twitter Spaces, a bit of a pre-match preview. So I'll be doing that again. Um, so obviously that they're, they're quite good chats. Last week, uh, Luke from the who does the National League podcast came on. He's a Halifax fan. He's a young 15-year-old who's got a YouTube channel. Um, and he, came... to a bit of, he speaks so, so well for hey, super knowledge. And I believe he's got a, a decent interview lined up in the week. We've got Mark White. Yeah, he's on, he's on tomorrow, I believe. So, um, yeah. Um, he's a good he's a good listen, so I'll, I'll drop him a message, see if he comes on, because he's quite sensible. Although he's a Halifax fan, there's no hate from him at all. You know, he is quite, you know, he is quite respectful and stuff, so that's quite good. So, yeah, there'll be, um, for those people who are like me and don't go to roller disco on a Friday night, there'll be, a, <laughs> there'll be Twitter spaces for those people that are like Alex and go out partying on a Friday night, because he's only about 21. Uh, well... You'll have to, listen to, it 12 you have to listen to it the next day. Um, so, that's it. We'll be Can I plug the audio description commentary for 30 seconds? Yeah. Is this some sort of sponsorship deal now we're going to negotiate or what? <laughs> oh, there's no money involved, trust me. Um, so, as we've mentioned briefly in the other podcasts, I'm one of the audio description commentators at Wrexham along with Alan Fox, George, and Nick Jones. Apologies if I've got your surname wrong, Nick. I think it's Jones, but we provide audio description commentary every home game. Um, an audio description commentary is for fans at the ground who are either blind or partially sighted and struggle to see what's going on um, on the pitch when they're at the ground. So we provide ultra detailed commentary about where the ball is, what colour the shirts are, what the referee's wearing, um, the colours of the seats, the style of pass, the players' boots, every little detail and um, we cover for you. Um, so if you want to listen in, we provide receivers in the ground. So you bring your own headphones, put them into the receiver, and you'll hear our commentary from 10 minutes before kickoff right into the final whistle. And you can get your receivers from outside the, what's it called now, the Macron stand on match day. Or if it's easier for you, you can contact Wrexham DSA on Twitter. And that's the Wrexham Disabled Supporters Association. Excellent. So when you say outside the Macron stand, just in case there are people going to come and have a look, where where exactly do you mean? Um, Or what should people be looking for? you can go into the entrance as if you're going up the stairs towards sort of the, the executive boxes. Yes, yes, so I think yes. Halfway down the stand on the outside, there's a little door. Go into that door. That's where the receivers are. Or just look for anyone with a Wrexham Disabled Supporters Association yellow high-vis jacket on. They're usually in the, um, the Glindor car park um, from an hour and a half. Um, until kickoff, but best place to go is to I can't remember what the name of the entrance is, but there's a door on the Macron stand or the yeah. Mulberry stand, as many people call it, and that's where the receivers are. This door needs a sign. It does need a sign. Yeah, I'll let you have that one. You can go to him and say I've had this great idea, uh, and you'll be like, you know, employee of the day or whatever. I'll tell you, I'll get that on my CV. Yeah, you should do. Yeah, when somebody yeah. says, give me an example of something you've done to improve a business, you can use that one. 
Exactly. I made a sign. <laughs> All right. Same time next week. We'll be back. Two wins. Of course, yeah. If you do it Wednesday, we'll have uh, two games to digest. So hopefully, yeah, yeah two wins.
the football league.